Welcome to the Native Citizens Podcast, a ministry of Storehouse Community Church in McAllen, Texas. Every Monday, we gather to address the questions and issues aimed at everyday life and ministry in the context of the Rio Grande Valley. Well, good morning. Welcome to the Native Citizens. I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, my name is Marco. I'm the pastor here at Storehouse McAllen, and I am joined by Jay Flores, Covenant member, men's gathering leader, uh, Christian, <laughs> <laughs> and LC, who's our Storehouse Kids director. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. good. Nice. How are you? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm doing well. I'm, I've, I've already had my coffee. You nice. seem to have a lot of, like, second cup liquids. Here. Yeah, yeah. I you mean, no, no coffee today. Water is essential. Yeah, it's- I had coffee this morning. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Mm-hmm. Did you have your bulletproof coffee? No, I didn't have time for that. <laughs> it was an early morning. Ooh, bulletproof! You fancy. How did you guys uh, weather last night's storm? I know. I did not hear the storm at all. I think Neither I woke I. up yeah. semi like days like, is that thunder? And then went back to sleep. Yeah. I just on the floor between the twins because they were scared of the rain. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's, they came down there like that's, that's noise. I'm like, all right, let me go up there and just mm-hmm. put my old self on the floor. Worked <laughs> 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 out fine. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, they slept. Yeah. They slept. That's good. <laughs> they got their sleep. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I I woke up at one point because I saw the flashes of lightning. Oh, and then I just went back to sleep mm-hmm. and slept cool. through the whole thing. Nice. And Thanks. then it wasn't until this morning that uh, Seth and I went outside, and I was like, "What? what like our yeah. the cover to the." This little canopy that we have for the grill, like, yeah. flew off into the fence. The grill itself flew off into the driveway. What? No. Yeah, and it was maybe a couple of inches from Rebecca's car. And then, oh, um, that's right. she parks in the yeah, yeah. And then we have this big tree out front, and so everything is still regrowing from the freeze. Mm-hmm. So the branches are all still very brittle, and oh. uh, so in the front yard big old branches from some of the big tree were out in the street out all over the yard it looked like lightning had struck the tree yeah and so it was just thanks 2021 <laughs> <Love> it. <laughs> <Another one. laughs> so that's what we were doing this morning we were out there just, just picking, picking up the yard up the stuff, yeah. Yeah. Well, especially on the street because you see cars like either driving around it or they're driving through the branches breaking them and then scattering them scattering them even more mm-hmm. oh man yeah, it was mostly like leaves in our area. Okay, yeah. And so I was like, okay, it's not too bad. Yeah. And then coming into McAllen, it was like, okay, more branches are out and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. I mean, like we have a couple of big trees and mm-hmm. they all look like sleepy hollow trees right now mm-hmm. because they're still regrowing. But again, those branches are brittle. So mm-hmm. all of that fell all over a bunch of other stuff. And we had to be mindful of um, other plants and other trees that we are regrowing or that we have just planted so that they don't die. Whatever, man. It's the freeze. This. Yeah. yeah. Home, home home care. care. <laughs> <laughs> and so all you know, it's that it's that always it's always at points like this where we're like, okay, hey, we need to trim this, we need to do that because hurricane season is not that far away. Yeah, we don't have everything is like you said, still regrowing. So it was destroyed over again last night. And so 
Start same again. old, same old. <laughs> Man. Well, this morning, uh, we actually looked at this article, or I suggested this article uh, last night. Uh, because it's been based on, oh, no, I sent it last, Jay's like saying it was this morning. I sent it last night. Was it? I sent it last night? This morning. Oh, was it, it was this two morning? hours ago. That's right. I sent it two hours ago. <laughs> and I read it I last night. Time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, and so part of the reason I didn't think it was going to be as dense, uh, of, 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 of a conversation is because a lot of the things that are on this article, uh, have been topics and issues that we have started to talk about uh, in the umbrella, as it were, of family discipleship. Right. And one of the more common and one of the more loaded conversations under the category of family discipleship has been uh, parenting in a digital age or parenting among social media. How do we govern that? How do we navigate uh, the contours of social media? How do we encourage and raise our children um, and come alongside parents? Uh, mm -hmm. In the midst of, uh, uh, I suppose, a realm where everyone is always connected, always online. And so as we consider this article, it's written by, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, it's uh, Tony Ranke, um, and he's from Desiring God, and this article is called 12 Tips for the Parent, excuse me, 12 Tips for Parenting in the Digital Age. And so to be uh, kind of quick on this, this article was written actually in 2018, and mm -hmm. so some of the statistics have changed, even grown. Um, there are going to be some. Um, uh, there, there are some. There's some information on the article that it's uh, forecasting what would be of uh, what he's calling iGen or Generation Z kids. Um, and so, reading it, you should be aware that it's from 2018. Because I think <laughs> you were reading it right, Elsie, and you were just like, yes. "What? Do I know the future?" Like. <laughs> Because, <laughs> again, it was written in 2018. And so uh, oh, beginning with the article, one of the things he, he begins to talk about is that this generation, post-millennial or Gen Z or iGen, that is kids between the ages of 6 and 23, um, those who were born between 1995 and 2012, consists of 74 million Americans or 24% of the population Um uh, giving it or or making it to be the most diverse generation in American history. And in light of that, um, it is the generation that is virtually, no pun intended, always connected, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Or pun intended, yes. <laughs> uh, but it, it, is, it, is the, it is the generation that is always online, governed by online trends, uh, apps, um, inclusions, right? So they're the ones that are constantly online. And in his article, he goes on to quote uh, Gene Twenge, who's a psychologist from San Diego State University. And he's drawing from one of, uh, actually from, from two articles that she wrote. One of them is, have smartphones destroyed a generation? And then a follow-up called iGen, why today's super connected kids are growing up less rebellious, more tolerant, less happy, and completely unprepared for adulthood. And so offline, we were having long conversations about this article, which I think were really helpful and really beneficial. And the article can be lengthy because you can spend a lot of time uh, in each one of the uh, marks of an iGen uh, mm -hmm. individual and going back to the the parenting tips. And so what we wanted to do was cover 
these two uh, sections of the articles briefly. We wanted to cover what are the marks of an individual who is considered iGen, and then we wanted to walk through uh, 12 points uh, or 12 tips for parents uh, who, um, who have iGen kids and how to essentially lead them, disciple them, and, and uh, for lack of a better word, parent them uh, among a digital, a digital age, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so let's open up with, with the five marks of, of iGen. And so here, here's one of the things that, that uh, Rinky writes, and then we'll, we'll dive into the first one. So um, the preface here is he says that um, there's a delayed adulthood and prolonged adolescence within the iGen generation, but, but these are five things, or these are five marks that really solidify and identify these, these kids. And the first one is that they are smartphone natives. He goes on to say that most children get their smartphone in the USA uh, by age 10, mm-hmm. uh, and many of these phones are hand-me-downs, uh, but between ages 12 to 17, nearly 80% uh, identify as smartphone users. So, yeah. What, I mean, when was the first time you guys got a cell phone? I was in how, high school. How old were you when you got your first cell phone? I was 17. 17. 17. Now, did your parents get it for you? Did you, you they were you did. working a job? They got it for me. I was, it was mostly like to communicate about my um, tennis practices and stuff. That's what I mostly used it for. Or tournaments when I was done mm. with tournaments where we got back from like the trips between cities and stuff. Right. So yeah. that's mostly the reason. Or if I think by then too, I had gotten my driver's permit. So it was to communicate, hey, I'm leaving right. this place and I'm coming back home. Yeah. What about you, dude? I think I was 19, maybe. When you get your first phone? Yeah. I did you get it yourself or did your maybe parents 18? get it Maybe 18. No, no, I got it myself. Yeah. But there was, so there was nothing to phones back then. There was no internet. You weren't doing anything like right. that. You were playing like <laughs> Tetris and texting people. That's snake and, game. Yeah. Tetris. Like yes. you weren't doing anything like that yeah. online. So it was just, it was utility it was necessary for communication and yeah then there was text messaging but there was no you're not checking movie time was doing anything yeah. crazy yeah i got my first cell phone at 17 and i went out and bought it i was working at the mall and i saved up some kiznash mm-hmm. and i bought it and yeah i you really couldn't there wasn't much to it because yeah. you had to pay for text messages i was gonna right. say yeah it costs more to text yeah yeah, yeah there call. was not unlimited plans back <laughs> exactly. then. Exactly. There wasn't an unlimited everything. Right. And it took right. forever to text because you had to go like the numbers. Is that what it was? Three, three, four, five. What was it? Oh, yeah, yeah. You had to select it before you could type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, man. And so, well, according to the article, right, iGen, this new generation, Gen Z, let's just go that route, Gen Z individuals, kids, get cell phones by... By the time they're ten years old, on average, yeah. On average, yeah. Why? So that's, that's one of the marks, average. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll get into more details on <laughs> the the wisdom of them getting <laughs> cell phones at that age later. The second one is that they are always online, and so Ranky goes on to say that uh, Gen Z spend less time working jobs, volunteering, engaging in student activities, and doing homework mm-hmm. because they're virtually never offline. They're driven by their devices. Uh, excuse me, they're driven to their devices by social promise, friendships, and relationships. And so one of the things that we can draw from this very quickly is the age of COVID 
has amplified right. that much, much more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's pretty, pretty intense. Uh, I mean, you were talking about like even with your son's schools, they are pressing. I mean, they've been doing this since even Seth was in in elementary, but it sounds more so Mm -hmm. now with iPads and Chromebooks and students getting unlimited Internet access or unrestricted unlimited access. Well, because it was necessary for them to connect through uh, because we're maintaining social distancing and safety for the year. But every kid was handed a Chromebook and those Chromebooks are not locked down. There's not a safety on most of them, if I Googled something, it would be okay. They wouldn't be blocked or, or prohibited because I think just the immediacy and the the panic button response to what was going on in COVID and so, so trying to teach the kids was hand Chromebooks out, which is smart. And then there's a danger involved in the internet that they just probably didn't have time to account for or right. didn't have the manpower to. So yeah, it, it definitely is way more digitally dependent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, number three, they are secularizing. Rinky goes on to say, among Generation Z, about one in four do not attend religious services or practice any form of private spirituality. Uh, he goes on to say that Gen Z are more likely than any generation before them to be raised by religiously unaffiliated parents. And he's taking that from Twenge's article. Um, so yeah, so they're, they're more than likely, uh, to be raised by religiously unaffiliated parents. And I think that's something that we've just seen a lot, a lot more over the last, um, and particularly over the last two years, um, without going into too much detail, cause this could be a tangent, right? But mm. you last year in light of the, the presidential election, one of the biggest topics was evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. And individuals subscribing to indiv- uh, evangelicalism, not so much as, um, I suppose, uh, religious convictions, but as right. a political party, mm-hmm. right? Because there right. were moral values. And so, but those individuals aren't necessarily like Christians, right? They haven't, they haven't necessarily uh, surrendered their life to Christ. Those are just individuals who would agree with some of the the moral and ethical beliefs of, of the Christian faith, but then they themselves are not actually right. Christian. Right? Mm-hmm. It was more of a votes driven conservative moralistic mm-hmm. approach to things. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, they perceive one another through fractured bits. I thought that was really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he quotes Clive Thompson uh, and he calls this ambient awareness that they learn about one another digitally and in fragments. And so, if you consider things like Snapchat or Instagram where everybody gets not just the filtered version of themselves, but they also get these like snaps of their of their life through story, uh, many Generation Z individuals are able to pick up kind of what kind of life they may lead through these fragmented um, stories of, of their life, which is pretty fascinating because it, you can be very ambiguous and they're picking up some stuff that I, other people who are not used to a digital age won't. Yeah. It's a, it's a, and probably an inaccurate version of themselves because all those things are enhanced by filters, like you were yep. saying, or uh, the best part of you or the funniest part of you or the most, the best day you had rather than actually meeting somebody in person and getting to really know them as uh, completely. Right. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's I, I agree. The, the the fifth one is that they are woke. Now, this is a, one that that we should just have 
more other podcasts <laughs> episodes <podcasts>. on, <laughs> yes. maybe in the summer. But here's what, what Rinky um, says about Twenge, who was the, <clears throat> the psychologist. She goes on to say uh, that she argues that, that millennials are at heart optimists, that Gen Z's, uh, Gen Z individuals who grew up during the Great Recession are more pessimistic, more sensitive to social tension, and are more compelled to protect anyone they believe to be vulnerable. And um, when we consider, for instance, 2020 and the pandemic, mm-hmm. you saw much of this amplified um, in the context of racial tension, social injustice, political ideology, mm-hmm. um, and a variety of other avenues that were just made um, made known and made aware throughout the national news. Um, and, uh, and we're actually going to get into that a little bit more because one of the things that Rinky ends up, um, uh, addressing is that they, Gen Z, they are very confident online, but then when they actually engage confrontation or conflict, you see a lot of their confidence reduced and anger and fear increases which is something we can talk about in in a minute mm-hmm. but um in short those those are five marks of 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 individuals who are considered uh, generation Z um and that is that they are smartphone natives always online secularizing quickly they perceive one another through fractured bits and that they are woke and and, and in his article Renke says this um, who is iGen? They are woke. They have ambient awareness. There's that fractured uh, learning about one another in fractured bits that we talked about. Here's what he says. They appear confident online. They are never offline. Technology conveniently buffers and brokers their relationships and technology feeds their loneliness and the toxic comparison that hollows meaning from their lives. Parents must know of this. Uh, or excuse me, parents know most of this. They saw these problems long before we had books about iGen. And so one of the things that mm-hmm. that I just mentioned regarding um, Generation Z being a part of this woke movement is that um, for many, I don't want to say all of them, but for, but for many, they appear confident online, but they're never disconnected. However, when they're actually engaging real people, that confidence tends to reduce and Fear and anger tend to increase. We were we were kind of talking about that offline. You guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the article also points out like the the aftermath of that. Like they're more likely to have issues, uh, mental health issues, uh, as a result of that. And if it's that's not taken care of, like he even gives a statistic that between 2012 and 2015, depression among boys rose 21 percent. Mm. Depression among girls rose 50 percent. And add that, add COVID to that, it's everything spiked for everyone mm-hmm. and uh, across the board, but specifically this population. I, um, I remember how um, frustrating and difficult it was um, hearing from family members and their kids that's like with my nieces and nephews, like how it just them being online so much was just so... Um, like, I mean, frustrated isn't, doesn't even encompass what they felt. Like it just affected all of them and they, they couldn't, um, like get on 
the the train to like, yes, everything has to be online. Yes, amidst a pandemic, but even more like forcing them to do everything mm-hmm. um, on an electronic device. And so it was quite um, it was quite a feat to like navigate that and to really approach um, my nephew or my niece mm-hmm. or any child, right? Like to understand this is only for a season and to really engage with them um, where they were at. And so if you consider other households who just like chalk it up to the electronic device, it's even more likely them to depend on that. And so with, with them having even more challenges, it's not, um, not uncommon. It's not surprising now where we are. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, the mental health, uh, concerns and Rinky quotes twinge on this saying that the paradox of iGen is that there is an optimism and self-confidence online that Mm -hmm. covers a deep vulnerability, even depression in real life. And it's not an exaggeration, exaggeration to describe iGen as being on the brink of the worst mental health crisis in decades, much of this deterioration could be traced to their phones. Now, once again, this article is written in 2018. However, coming out of 2020 and into 2021, one of the things that even, uh, for instance, in, in particular, that the church has had to catch up on, do work in, and provide is is mental health care mm-hmm. uh, because it is it is ever-growing and the pressures of social media and the, uh, the the pressures of digital age feed that toward toward individuals, particularly individuals who are unable to actually engage some of the issues surrounding them properly or appropriately. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, this is all significant. And again, we can keep talking about this at length, And it's incredibly important to realize that as parents, we need to not just, or as the church, not only do we need to come alongside parents, as we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks, but we also need to inform uh, parents on practical things that they seriously need to consider um, as they are raising their children in a a digital age. One of the things that we talked about a couple of weeks ago was our church has lots and lots of children, and um, there is this great, um, I, I guess there's this portion of, of, of school uh, that that is skipped in our, in our church. In other words, we have a lot of infants, and we have kids in elementary. No one's in junior high. Everyone else is in high school. And so there is this really dense involvement in, in digital media. And so... Let's transition into uh, Rinky's 12 tips for iGen parents. And so we're going to walk through each one and, and talk about them briefly. Give me your thoughts on them, and then we'll, we'll go on. So the first one, uh, the first tip for parents is delay social media as long as possible. He, he quotes uh, journalist Nancy Joe Sales, who wrote a book called American Girls, Social Media, and the Secret Life of Teenagers. And she's recounting a conversation with one girl who said, social media is destroying our lives. And Sales asks, so why don't you go offline? And the teenager responded by saying, because then we would have no life, right? So social media is where where teens are looking for life and it costs them their lives. So all that to say, number one, delay social media as long as possible agree or disagree completely agree Agree. they don't have 
I don't know. I cannot figure out the value of social media for a kid or for an adult for that matter. It's just pure entertainment. There's nothing of value that you would not be able to do in person or on the phone that Instagram or Facebook or Snap or TikTok could actually do for you. It's it's a it's a pretend view of the world, not an actual view of the world. And it, it limits, especially when it comes to kids, actual true relationship. It prevent, not only prevents it, but also lets them know they don't have to have it, that they can get it in this, like the article said earlier, these fragmented pieces, which most of the time is really inaccurate of the actual person. Uh, so yeah, I completely, like a thousand percent agree. My, my kids don't know anything about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my son is about to turn 16 and he does not have a phone, does not have any social media accounts, uh, none of that stuff, particularly because I think uh, one of the things you talked about was uh, having children adequately, appropriately, and confidently engage real people. Mm-hmm. And that almost sounds like a trade that is is fading away quickly. And I personally... Rebecca and I did not want that right. for, for, for Seth. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's good. I think I see more parents fighting for those interactions yeah. a lot more now because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, the light bulb actually went off. Yeah, or yeah, that's, oh, and that's one of the things he, he ends up snap, talking about. Like, this yeah. is really important. I can't, we need to, like, not have the social mm-hmm. medias, like, as often. Yeah, no, that's good. Well, like we were talking about. The idea of shaking somebody's hand with a firm grip or looking them in the eye when you speak to them or introducing yourself properly, it's a lost art. People don't do that. They It's weird that it's called a lost art. It's weird that manners is just lost. Just be normal. It's right. so sad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> but oftentimes you walk into a household where you'll greet the adults and the kids are on their iPads, their phones, in their mm-hmm. headphones. Like yeah. It's just something that uh, it's re- manners has been replaced by the tablet. Yeah. 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 Uh, number two is delay smartphones as long as possible. Um, at the end of this, Rinky writes, 47% of teens use Snapchat, uh, a premier app to send and receive expiring images, and quote, throw away selfies. In the smartphone age, sexting has become normative to the teen years. Uh, these are po- potent devices. Resist the pressure to give your kid one and don't leave old phones around what do you guys mm-hmm. think yeah definitely i think with <laughs> <laughs> with my words i've i was telling you all i was like all these comments it got like got me flustered like thinking of my nieces and nephews this is my oldest niece she's 11 she's in sixth grade she's going to seventh grade next year can't believe but she got a phone last year for her birthday. And so, well, like her parents are, you know, strict on the like boundaries and the parameters on that. That's reality that kids have, you know, smartphones that young. That's you open, you know, that like, what's the phrase? Like you just open an avenue for that to happen. Yeah. The likelihood. Yeah. And so if you're not careful, if you're not on top of that to yeah. restrict those things and help them understand, okay, this is only for X, Y, Z. Right. And this is why. Yeah. You know, like you need to be the one to be in control of that yeah. as a parent. Yeah. What do you need to say? Like everything about that. Um, <laughs> my heart was beating harder just thinking about it because <laughs> our children are so vulnerable. Yeah. And nothing about a smartphone makes sense for kids who 
uh, like the article points back to, are not prepared for the world. Yeah. Uh, they're just not prepared for the dangers. And as Christian parents, there are so many other things that we concern ourselves with, uh, particularly walking them to Christ. But in order to keep them safe, it's for their own good to keep them off of these things that can open. Like Elsie was saying, you can't put it back in the box once they've been exposed to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all these social media apps, Snap, TikTok, all those things, they open doors to the danger of sexting, selfies, disappearing selfies, or just honestly, just predators that are trying to get in on mm-hmm. kids who are using these younger apps. Mm-hmm. And as much as you'd like to say, hey, on top of that, I have I've put you know parameters in place and these safeguards, there are ways around everything. And yeah. I can't tell you how many times that in my job, I've seen the, the biggest phrase or the phrase most frequently uh, said by these parents is, I never thought it would happen to us. And you meet mm-hmm. the family and they're well, they're, the families are middle upper class. They're not abusing their kids. They're not, not paying attention. They are, except they've opened the door that they can't close now. Mm-hmm. And the result of that is, is catastrophic just yeah. because you're too lazy to lock these things down or keep them from it for their own good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think on top of that, uh, what makes, what makes having kids have smartphones at such a young age is that it's one of the, it's, Addiction to social media is not like to a degree. Um, it's not like addiction to alcohol or substance abuse, where that is uh, oftentimes it is external. You see the effects of that, and you clearly we're talking about external effects here. But what I mean mm-hmm. is that, for instance, disappearing or throwaway selfies, like information that can be deleted and removed uh, and hidden for a long long time and i think that's one of the things that just increases the dangers of of kids having a smartphone too early um number three he goes on to say inside the home take control of the wi-fi and so he writes instead of setting up parental controls on each device you can control the flow of data to each device when a child Mm -hmm. in your home uh, wants to use the computer they make a request and explain why they need it uh, more can be said here, but it's a small way to help them bring clear purpose to tech use, all made possible because the Wi-Fi is not always on. I, yeah. I had not thought of that, to be honest. I thought that was actually yeah. a really good, really good tip. Like uh, not just the asking to use the Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. but um, because oftentimes I think uh, even friends often with, with, with their younger children, the Internet is controlled by... Um, a certain allotted time on a game console, right? Like you can s- set that up in the settings and the game turns off. You can do yes. that with a couple of other things. Yeah. You know, you're like uh, when um, Seth got his, his MacBook for school, it was working through parental controls. And I never just thought of, oh yeah, we could just shut off the Wi-Fi completely, um, you know, so that uh, all this stuff would be uh, taken care of. But yeah, I thought that was a really good tip. So yeah, take control of the Wi-Fi. Yeah, some of the families um, in our church, one uh, one in particular, I think of when I babysit their kids, they, um, the, when it first happened, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I was like, well, yeah, that makes sense. They, um, they had time on their iPad to play their games, and then they would uh, tell each other, oh, hey, yeah, my time ran out, so let's go play, like, hide and seek, or let's go outside. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's smart. That's really good. That, I mean, and it's obvious because... You can't, like, the detriment of, like, being so on the iPad so long. 
and uh, there so probably now more than ever, like YouTube TV and all these things that you connect w- right. through the Wi-Fi mm-hmm. is one of those obstacles. But honestly, like for our family, I take it a step further and just don't let them play online. I don't mm-hmm. know that like, mm-hmm. hey, we know such so-and-so's friend or his nephew, or my nephew's online, but you can talk to that guy. You don't, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my kid uses like, the regular Nintendo with the string yeah. and the control. <laughs> and, you know, back in the day, who you were playing with is the person sitting next to you. Yeah. Yes. You don't have to worry about some yeah. random person jumping in on right. that. Exactly. Yeah, so, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, number four, outside the home, connect without smartphones. Yes. And so he writes, parents want phone technology to deliver three things. Number one, to call their kids whenever. Number two, to be called by their kid whenever, and number three, to know where their kids are. Uh, you don't need a smartphone. And so there is this, uh, the idea of this one is to use additional devices, um, to use additional devices um, with our with our kids so that they are not addicted to the smartphones. When I first read this, I thought the first thing was, um, when you're outside of the home, connect with smartphones in the sense of uh, you're not going to use your smartphone outside mm. the house. That's kind of what I thought. Right. Yeah. Uh, but clearly he's advocating different. Uh, he's at, In this case, he's advocating for the gizmo, a smartwatch with a speakerphone. And I'm sure there are way better things or that still exists. And there are way better things now. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I genuinely thought like, okay, when we're outside the home, connect without uh, without smartphones. And what that means is when we're not at home, we're not going to be on our phones. That's, right. That's what I thought from that tagline. <laughs> yeah. Do you got any thoughts on that? LC? Yeah, no, it was... Yeah, I thought the same thing. Like, hey, we're outside together. We're actually having more fun. We don't need a phone for that. Yeah. Or it's like, yeah. I mean, okay, yeah, we're, it's only a birthday party. Yes, we're going to take a picture. Like, that's, sure. you know, granted. Or recording, you know, the funniest bits because grandpa dropped, you know, whatever. Or, yeah. you know, little nephew, like, did something hilarious. It's, you see where the that the personal interactions yeah. are happening and that's of more value and of more um, importance. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Uh, number five, uh, stair-step technology over the years. I really appreciated this. I wish I had done this. Uh, so in the opening mm-hmm. part of this, uh, this, this tip for parents, he writes, uh, I think the most common mistake parents make is in assuming that the smartphone is an isolated gadget. It's not. The smartphone is the culmination of all the communications technology a child has been introduced to from birth. To be Mm. given a smartphone is a sort of graduation from small steps of of technology mapped out beforehand. I thought this this one was incredibly wise, where as a parent, he sits down with his kids and kind of gives them this overview of the kind of liberty or the kind of access they get to technology as they get older right Mm -hmm. and so for instance um by the time his children get to ages um you know anywhere between 15 to 18 that's when the parents decide whether or not they could actually get a a smartphone specifically Mm -hmm. right but for instance uh from age three to five they may get access to just one part of some technology Mm -hmm. and so i thought that was really good so a stair-step technology over the years i know Rebecca and I did something similar, though we would not have articulated it this way 
And uh, we used to do this with Seth where we had an iPad. We had an extra iPad. And so Seth would read uh, two hours for 30 minutes on the iPad. Um, and and he would get to enjoy that time. And, and then we really based it around Luke 16, be faithful with a little, you're faithful with much. And so mm-hmm. as he was faithful with those little 30 minutes, right. he got a little bit more time. But there was still this 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 part of his, I suppose, responsibility that had to be administered, and that was you got to read for, for about two hours, and then you get 45 minutes. And as he got older, like, mm-hmm. you know, hey, man, read for yes. an hour and a half, you get you know, 45 minutes or an hour to play. And, uh, and so, yeah, so I, I thought, I actually think this one in particular is very wise. Uh, it's very helpful for parents and, and he lays out two advantages, uh, that you guys can read in the, in in the article. But, um, the first one is you can according out the steps as needed while also showing your child where the smartphone fits in a digital trajectory. Mm -hmm. And then the second one is that it kind of demonstrates this, graduation it demonstrates transitions as hey as they've been faithful in this area of their life now they receive additional freedoms that come with responsibility right and they can approve themselves trustworthy over the time that you're giving them access to those exactly yeah what that was really funny about it is when we were younger when i was younger because you guys are younger than me you're not that much older than i am it's like a seven-year gap it's it's decent so we didn't have access to the technology like when we were younger the idea of a family computer was this great thing that there yeah. was no internet oh, yeah. to. They're right. like, oh, we get to type on it. Yeah. Oh, colors. Right. And then mm-hmm. there was like Nintendo. And so just by technology's sake, we ran through what they're talking about, stair step. Just as we got older, we yeah. got access to more things because the internet was coming of age then mm-hmm. and we didn't have it before. So I think that, yeah, it's it's important thing to actually take a hold of now, but when we were younger, we didn't have yeah. the ability to do all those things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you guys are young. Don't pretend like you're not. Okay, so, <laughs> okay, so are I'm, you? So I'm 42. Like, How old no, are you? Yeah, I'm 35. Yeah, that's seven yeah, years. I know. I know. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, are you considered uh, Gen X or are you a millennial? I'm Gen X. Well, I'm not, yeah. You're not a Gen X. He's what? yeah. Yeah. You're like on the line. No. He, no, I know I you're mean, a Gen this... X. What I'm saying is, like, I feel like you're on the line, or either either you're on the line or like. You're barely a Gen X. I'll see how Because you're 70. You're born in 78. You're seven, <laughs> I'm seven, I feel 78. Okay, yeah, it's my sister. You're my sister's yeah. age. Yeah. I'm 33. I yeah. turned 34 yeah. this year. But that's Dude. like a decade of life. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah, no, that's we're that. We're nine years apart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're right, my sister's age. I think, but I think the but, other reason, I don't think, 40, like 43 is not that much older. By the way, it's 42, but keep going. Right, keep going. whatever. <laughs> but the, the idea is- So young. Uh, so young. The, the reason it's so young, and I've told, you know, I've talked about this, like uh, I was, my eldest brother's 15 years apart. And so when you're like, man, there's a seven year no. difference. No, no, oh, no. I just fine. mean to. So I don't mean like I'm old and you're young. I mean, no, like no, no. I exposure meant, to the things that I had. That's to what be. I'm talking about. And Which so because be? because my brother is 15 years apart, a lot of the things that you were exposed about, exposed to, I'm like, man, what? No, that's no. I'm like comparing to to right. their to your uh, old upbringing. old brother. Yeah, to my old old brother, my eldest. But yeah, eldest. No, yeah, that's good. Um, okay, here's number six. Uh, as a blanket rule for all ages and all devices, keep screens out of the bedrooms. That's awesome. And so oh, he yes. agree, He writes, or at the very least for 12 hours, something like 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., make a set rule here. No TVs, no gaming devices, uh, laptops, or phones. Break off the endless social media demands. Yeah, thoughts? 
That's awesome. Even for adults, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, even for yeah. us, too. So some of my friends have, like, their kids have um, TVs in their rooms. I'm, forget smart tablets, like TVs. Yeah. Just they're going to the become zombies. They're going to yeah. watch TV. That's what they're going to do. Yeah, man. They're yeah, poor. we don't have TVs in the bedrooms. We have a TV in the guest room for guests. Uh, don't have TV in our bedroom. Seth doesn't have a TV in his bedroom. He does he is not allowed to keep his laptop in his bedroom. Right. Can't even keep it charged in there. Uh, I leave my phone uh, out in the dining room, charged over there. Oh yeah, not um, that. Yeah, no, I, dude, I don't. <laughs> but here's the thing, like, like for me, it wasn't even for me personally. It wasn't even so much for this. It was the fact that my alarm would go off, and the first thing I'm checking are emails, text messages, mm-hmm. social media. So, man, I I leave that stuff out in the dining room. I think personally, it's also. Um, like if I'm going to ask my son to do that, or I'm going to tell my son to leave his laptop on there, I better show that I do yeah. the same thing. Yeah, yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. So, so there's definitely. That. And, uh, and, and in addition to that, when Seth was much younger, um, Seth used to have night terrors. And so part of the reason he started reading so much was so that his brain would chill out. Mm-hmm. And so when he was younger, the, the golden rule, and I think you, you, you remember it was from uh, seven to 8 PM, all devices are turned off and mm. everybody was reading. And as he got older and his life got busier, particularly now as he is in high school, we've like kind of backed off of that. But there's still he still has discipline, a very good discipline in reading every night. And his when he's done with his homework, the laptop goes out into the dining room and he doesn't touch that again until eight fifteen the next morning. And so that's been the rule for, for us. But I, I, I think that's a great rule. I think uh I think my uh, Rebecca's cousin, they have a rule also at mm-hmm. 9 p.m. All smartphones are put in the kitchen drawer. Nice. His, his wife's, kids. Yeah. Even Even if like like his, uh, his, I think one of his sons who is an adult owns like uh, a business in Colorado when he's staying at Tommy's house. 9 p.m. Everything. Everybody's yeah. phones go in the kitchen drawer. No, that's really good. My, I think of my bro- my older brother with his kids. Um, they kind of like on the the point before, and this one like gradually implementing technology um, as the kids were toddlers, and they're set different ages now. One's older, one's younger than niece and nephew, but they're um, now. It's the point now, like okay, their electronic time is only like a movie mm-hmm. uh, in the evening or they pick a show yep. um, or it's a designated time too. And it's got to be like in different languages. So they're implementing Spanish. And so it's going to be That's in Spanish. Awesome. And so it's um, multifactorial to still stimulate them, but also like, Hey, that's your time. And that's only then yeah. because you already finished dinner and you're going to go to bed soon. Yeah. And so for the little, little one, she like goes to bed earlier and for the younger one, uh, the older one, he will probably like read or play something, but not on an electronic device. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's, I think that's great. Yeah. Um, I think that's great because at, like there needs to be some clarity in the sense of technology is not bad, right? Technology right. is incredibly helpful. Um, it's not just convenient. It is beneficial. It is helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, you have access, like in, in the case yes. that you're giving, like you have mm-hmm. access to teachers and coaches and mm-hmm. instructors and educational opportunities that, man, we simply didn't 10, 20 years ago. And yeah, so like awareness in a good way to exactly. direct so there, There's a lot that mm-hmm. comes from that. But 
Yeah, I think that's great. And so, man, we're going to pick up this conversation next week as we continue working through these 12 tips uh, for parenting in a digital age. But as we come to a close right now, um, the idea here is to have parents or to get parents to begin thinking through the realities that our children are encountering Mm -hmm. and maybe even realities that we are allowing them to encounter because we are lazy, right? And that's something that we're going to talk about next week. And so the idea of all of this is to to get parents to begin thinking Thinking critically, Mm -hmm. begin parents to be thinking biblically, because uh, you mentioned this earlier, Jay, we want to come alongside our children and point them to the person and work of Christ. And that's only going to become increasingly more difficult the more they uh, saturate themselves in in uh in 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 digital media Mm -hmm. so and hope you guys can join us next week and we'll see you then bye the goal of this podcast is to equip our church for discipleship and mission we want to thank you for listening in this morning and we hope that you are encouraged by these conversations if you'd like to learn more about storehouse mckellen you can visit our website at storehousemckellen.com We'd also love to hear from you. Send us your questions to info at storehousemckellen.com.